Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story Inc., I'm proud to have a pair of colleagues join me, Jennifer Mercedes and Julie Alexandria, who are hosts and producers at La Vida Baseball. La Vida Baseball is the premier and largest Latino baseball media company in the U.S. It launched in March of 2017, is owned by Teamworks Media, a company that, in full disclosure, I co-founded in 2000. And La Vida's at the intersection of Latinx lifestyle, culture, and baseball. It's where we celebrate baseball's human interest stories through a Latinx lens. Prior to joining La Vida Baseball, both Jennifer and Julie were regulars covering Major League Baseball, particularly in New York markets, uh, Julie also in Baltimore. I thought their journey as women in sports media, and in particular minority women in sports media, would be a powerful conversation that we can all learn from. In this episode of Brand Story Inc., we talk about a number of topics, including the changing landscape of women in sports media, the power of a content community servicing a minority lens on a sport, content creation and the nuances within the Latinx community, an exciting new initiative in the state of marketing and content consumption for the Latinx community, and a bunch more. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I feel beyond lucky to have the pleasure to work with both Julie and Jennifer. Enjoy the show. Well, Jennifer, Mercedes, and Julie, Alexandria, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to have you here. So we talked about it in the open, just the headlines of La Vida Baseball and how it's been around since 2017. Um, I would love to hear from both of you as the on-air faces of La Vida Baseball and producers and all the many different things that you do. Uh, you know, Jennifer, I'll kick it off with you. Just your perspective of what makes La Vida Baseball unique in the market. Well, I think that we give players the opportunity and the platform to tell their stories in the way that they want to tell them um, through their eyes and through, through the lens of the Latino fan base. And, and Julie, your perspective? I believe I, I agree with Jennifer. I think we tell the stories that are rarely shared. We tell the stories that the American people don't always get to hear because of a language barrier, because perhaps these players are not the star players on the team and they're not the go-to interview or the Mike mm-hmm. Trouts. And these are the guys whose stories are so incredibly interesting and whose journeys are beyond belief, far beyond comprehension of the average baseball fan. So we tell those stories that aren't being told by the national media and even by some of the beat reporters. Jennifer, you've been involved specifically in baseball for so long. I'm going to go to you on this one. I'm curious about uh, you have so many different player relationships. You've been out into so many stadiums, obviously, you know, pre-COVID and now just getting back in there. What's the player's reaction? What's it like talking to them um, about La Vida Baseball, their their perspective of it? I know your perspective of it, but what do the players think about it? Well, everybody's always happy to see when, when we're at the ballpark, right, and they see me, hey, La Vida, <laughs> um, is, is the first thing that comes out of their mouth. And I know I've had a couple of guys sometimes after, if it's a long day, uh, and they've been giving interviews left and right, um, they say, oh, finally, somebody who can speak Spanish. <laughs> um, it, it can get pretty exhausting to, 
to have to speak another language and um, one that maybe you're not as comfortable in. Um, and it's just a familiarization too, of knowing where we come from. We come from the same place and, and they get it. They, they, they know that we're there to tell their stories. So they appreciate that. Um, and I mean, the, whenever they see us, it's always a good vibe. You know, it's interesting. Um, Michael Roca just recently uh, of the agency PhD did an article on baseball and Gen Z and talking about the missed opportunity for brands and marketers to connect with the Latinx audience on uh, through, through the lens of baseball, right? Baseball is mm-hmm. one of the top three sports for the U.S. Latino fan base. And I always find it interesting because um, nearly 20% of our country is Latino. Mm-hmm. And yet... From a marketing perspective, it really seems significantly less represented um, in the marketplace. And, and I'm curious, from both of your perspectives, both being Latinas, are, have you seen things change in the last couple of years? Are things changing with such attention coming onto the multicultural movement in the wake of the Black Lives Matter? Like, What's different now than two years ago? And, and where are we in the big picture in your mind? Um, well, I, I, I think I see little changes here and there. We, we do get, we are seeing more representation when it comes to brands, um, and acknowledging the, the Latino fan base. I think there's still some skepticism, unfortunately, with the Latino fan base and then connecting baseball. Uh, just yesterday, actually, I was at the mall and I walked past an Oakley store and there was a big, uh, photo of Francisco Lindor. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like I was happy because Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, you know, it's, it's our guy. Um, and, and he's there, but Oakley is a brand that is known with, with baseball, but the fact that they chose somebody like Lindor, obviously he's a big New York guy. Um, they get it and, and they're, they're starting to get it. I, I hope and, and, um, wish that more companies continue to, to open and evolve um, their mindset on who it is marketable and who are they marketing to. I think, like you said, you know, the Latino population here in the U.S. Uh, is a big consumer and you just have to know how to market to us. You said, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Julie. Sorry. I was going to say uh, also, that's awesome about the Oakley campaign. I mean, we here in Southern California see Fernando Tatis Jr., all over our TVs because mm-hmm. he landed a huge endorsement deal with BMW. So you see this young Latino baseball player behind the wheel of this incredible automobile and it looks cool. It feels cool. It's elevated. And to me, that says that we are going in the right direction, but Jennifer's right. I think the moves as far as the league is concerned have been very slow to catch up. I think the fact that it took them until 2016 to have a designated clubhouse interpreter Mm -hmm. whose sole job it was just or is just to be an interpreter for the Latin players and to speak Spanish and be bilingual. I think that sort of just kind of sets the tone and, and proves the point. You guys, we've had this conversation before. I think one of the biggest misconceptions as it relates to the Latinx audience is language, right? And and I want to talk about that for a second because it, it, it's a little complex. You know, I mean, when we talked about starting La Vida Baseball, I went and met with executives at ESPN. I went and met with executives at Fox and I talked to them and 
um, you know, and I asked them, why is it that, you know, Fox Deportes and ESPN uh, Deportes are Spanish, right? Only. It was like mainstream, i.e. like white skewing equals English and Latin con- Latino content was Spanish. And, you know, the answer I got was pretty interesting. It was, it was like, look, these are big companies that used to be television companies. And so it was like a satellite, right? One satellite went to Latin America and that was Spanish and one was to the United States. And if you look at the stat, and that was English. And if you look at the stats, right? I mean, you guys live this. I, I study it um, as, a, as a middle-aged white guy, but it's like more than 60%, uh, I think it was like 67% of Latinos under the age of 45 consume uh, their sports content in English. Right. Um, And there's like there's English, there's English preferred, there's, you know, uh, some households have both languages. Some some households are Spanish. I'm curious uh, and we're going to get into the content creation. And and I I think a lot of people who know Levy to Baseball know you guys as the faces. They get to see you as on our shows. Uh, They may not. uh, And, you know, they see you on some of our social media that you actually also creating the content, producing the content on social and I'm curious about your approach and advice that you give to folks who are creating content for the Latinx audience, specifically around language. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest things is, yes, we speak Spanish, but we also speak English, especially here in, in the States. And I mean, a lot of us are, are bilingual. Uh, some of us speak spanglish right maybe mm-hmm. our, our spanish isn't isn't as great but we we understand it um you know we get it and i think it's important to acknowledge that not everything needs to be marketed in spanish uh, when marketing to the latino audience we just like to see ourselves being represented in one way or another whether it be um latinos actually in you know in a brand in a campaign mm-hmm. but also the culture and when we see things, when we hear the music, uh, if we hear Bad Bunny in the background, you know, like those those are the little things and those are the touches that that are important, I, I think, for for a Latino consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we do that. We do such a great job of that on our show on La Vida Baseball Live because we truly are representative of such a diverse group. And I think for advertisers, one of the biggest struggles, but also the biggest reality about serving the Latinx community is how diverse it is. Mm-hmm. And as Jennifer mentioned, yes, there are ones that speak Spanish and there's households that speak Spanish within the household and perhaps English externally. And then there's the Spanglish. And then, you know, there's the the quotient that, that I represent, which is having a mother who's from Puerto Rico, whose English is a second language, who never spoke Spanish to me, or she did when I was very young. And then she decided not to because her whole thing was she didn't want me to have an accent and she was a little paranoid about that. And she had very strong feelings about that. And so that immigrant mentality kind of carried over. And so, but at the same time, you have Jen who represents, you know, the DR, you've got Mm -hmm. Ozzy who represents Venezuela. You've got myself Mm -hmm. who represents Puerto Rico. And like, we all come from such different diverse backgrounds and experiences. And I think that has been the biggest challenge for advertisers is there is no one note. There is no one service that you can just say, okay, well, we're going to put this in here and all Latinx will like it. Yep. 
No, that's a really good point. It's nuanced, right? Jennifer, you know, you and I have had many conversations on this in the past, and it's I'm, I'm curious about you guys sharing your opinion to that point, right? Because in baseball is the perfect metaphor, right, for, for this, and that is, you know, it's one thing, you know, it's one thing if uh, a player, a star player is Latino, but the, it, he can be Puerto Rican, can be Dominican, can be, right? And it, there's, there's such... Um, geographic and cultural resonance, right? You being, you know, Dominican Jennifer having a closer affinity for that and cultural nuances than somebody who might be Mexican, right? Or Venezuelan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious um, about the kind of the, the subcultures within Latino in that resonance and, and how strong it is. If, will you root for an opponent, uh, you know, a, an arch rival team because they have a player who's represents your country like can you share some of the 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 interesting nuances well there's a there's a quote that went viral and julie you can help me with the actress's name because her name escapes me at the moment um but she says i'm rooting for everybody black and basically that's the same thing um within the latino community we like we're rooting for anybody latino and we're rooting for for really for anybody who's a minority Mm -hmm. um but when you're like when i'm looking at a baseball game um and one of the puerto rican guys says well i'm happy for him one of the dominican guys says well i'm i'm really happy for him especially if, if it's a guy that i know but I think that when we see ourselves represented, whether it be Dancing with the Stars, like mm-hmm. any of those talent shows, anything that we see, if there's a Latino there, we're rooting for them. And then when you go to like the individual cultures of it all, um, it, we appreciate the understanding that we're not all the same. Like mm-hmm. when you have a Hispanic, and, and we've talked about this with um a number of different minor league teams when they have their celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, I don't want to see just tacos and mariachi bands mm-hmm. because that is not, that's the easy way out. That is like, and and, and I think it offends Mexicans mm-hmm. as much as it offends everybody else in the Latino community because Mexico is not just about tacos and, and mariachi bands. Right? There's just such a you know rich culture that that is the the mexican community and especially the mexican-american community that has um contributed so much here to the states and it's the same with every other culture in in latin america so we like to see that the teams when they do celebrate hispanic heritage month that it's more than just that that that, that they get it i mean if you have a platano stand here and um a chimi which is what we call uh a street burger in, mm-hmm. in the DR. Like it, it, it's, it's important to understand the, like you said, the nuances within the culture. Yeah. One size definitely does not fit all. And that quote, Jennifer was from Issa Rae, yeah, which was Issa the Rae. creator of insecure. And she was asked on the Emmys red carpet. They mm-hmm. said, well, who are you rooting for tonight? And she says, I'm rooting for anybody who's black. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, people ask me all the time. They're like, well, you've worked for different teams. I've worked for the Mets, the nationals. I've worked on MLB network. I've worked for the Padres. And they say, do you still root for those teams? And I said, I root for individual players. Yes. I root for the Puerto Rican guys. I also root for the guys who were kind to me, who always had a minute for me. Mm -hmm. I I root for the guys who showed me respect in the clubhouse and who always gave me good interviews. I want to see them do well. You know, I I mean, I'll I'll always follow Denard Spann's career because I want to see him do well because he was one of the kindest people I ever interviewed, kindest players. So 
I think Jennifer's right. There are definitely so many nuances in the upbringing in the culture that goes from the food to the sayings in the culture. And, and I think recognizing that and understanding that one size does not fit all um, certainly helps. I'm curious, uh, you know, I, way, in the Wayback Machine, I actually spent a fair amount of time in the dugouts and covering, when I worked for Fox Sports, covering the Chicago sports teams. It was different, right? Like, I was a white dude doing it. And I, I remember um, and have such admiration and respect, I mean, this is going back in the 90s, for, for the women, right, who were still, like, I mean, it's not that long ago, but there was an element of, of the pioneering that, you know, women going in the locker room and everything like that. And, and I feel like women's sports right now is having a movement, right? The NCAA ratings just came out and women's basketball is skyrocketing. Sue Bird and uh, Alexa Morgan and a host of other folks launched this new company, the Women's Sports Media Company, together. Um, yeah. I'm curious what it's like, though, the the honest conversation here about being a woman in sports media in the year 2021, being a minority, being minority women in the, in the sports media in 2021. What is it like right now for you guys? Um, you know, it's interesting because for a long time, I hadn't even really thought about it because you're living in it. I think like as a woman, you're just, you're in it. So you don't even see yourself as other, um, until certain things happen. And I think that, um, 2020 was a year of that for a lot of us. Um, after the death of George Floyd and it, it brought up a lot of different things, a lot of, of feelings and, and memories, mm-hmm. uh, instances where I was like, wait, yeah, that was discrimination. Um, that was sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really makes you kind of pull back and, and think how far have we come? Have we come far enough? And I know Julie and I have talked about this on a number of occasions of occasions when it comes to being women in, in, in the sports industry and the sexual harassment that we sometimes face. Um, but not only that, it's the attitude, um, the culture that we've been brought up in and it's that uh, feeling bad for speaking up and, and, and speaking out against certain things. If you feel uncomfortable, if um, you just want a day off or, or anything, um you don't ever want to seem weak Mm. and Mm -hmm. i think that that's something that resonates with a lot of women at some point in their in their careers and it takes time to get to the point where you're not afraid and Mm -hmm. you know what you want but it takes time and i think in 2020 it made a lot of us reflect on those moments um 2021 i think is going to be an ever an even better year for women because more of us feel like we are getting that support that we have so much needed um, from the men in the industry as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, 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 and I, I think, the, uh, Julie, I want to get your take on this and then come back to a point because I think there's this whole other dynamic that in particular guys don't understand that I want to talk about. But Julie, you go ahead first. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, back in the day, back in the day, Jennifer and I came up around the same time. And back in 2008, we were the only two female faces in the clubhouse mm-hmm. other than um, the PR manager, Shannon, with um, the Mets. And 
we would be in the dugout during BP getting interviews and it would honestly be just she and I, and that was it. I was hosting Mets Weekly. She was creating her own content Mm -hmm. and creating videos and doing sit down interviews with guys. And, and that was it. And now it's become so prevalent. I want to say, and I'll take this stance on it because I don't know that it's rarely taken, which a lot of times we hear about how hard it is to be a female working in sports. But I think Mm -hmm. Something that Rachel Balkovic said on a recent interview that we conducted with her for Levy to Baseball is sometimes <laughs> it can be an advantage mm-hmm. because at a certain point, I want to say around 2000, around 2008 to 2010, it became very cool to have a female sideline reporter in mm-hmm. the NFL, in Major League Baseball, and those jobs started going to women. So I think a lot of opportunities, if I look back on my career, just speaking personally, a lot of opportunities were opened up because I was a woman mm-hmm. that may not have been available to me 10 years prior. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know that there were women going back to the 70s who were who were hosting sports shows at the sports desk on TV anchoring. But that's very different than yep. being in the field, yep. being with the team, having to, you know, for all intents and purposes, get dirty, get on the plane, travel mm-hmm. with the team. You know, you really mm-hmm. got in there. So that's a whole different skill set. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole nother category. And if I can, if I can add to to that point, Julie, um, not only is is was that an advantage starting back then, but I think because of 2020, it's also an advantage um, moving forward, where a lot of companies are looking to hire diverse um, candidates because uh, not only is it the right thing to do, right, but it's 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 going to look good um, on them. And then um, for me also, being a Latina was an advantage, is an advantage, continues to be an advantage because not only am I bilingual, I'm able to talk to um, all types of players, but when the players uh, maybe sometimes, you know, oh, they're tired or whatever, but whenever they would see me and I say, hey, I need a couple minutes, they give me the interview because again, the background, the culture, they know, we. it's almost like we, we've had the same upbringing the same struggles may be different, but they're the same type of struggles. And they know that giving me two, five, 10 minutes helps me uh, continue to be elevated in in, in my career. And I've said this before, but um, Carlos Santana, when I started my job at Levy the Baseball, when he saw, he like, he saw a crew and everything, he was so used to just seeing me with a camera. And he was like, oh my God, he's like, this is where we're at. And he was so happy and he was so proud. And he said, you know, he's like, we may not say it in the moment, but we see what you guys do. What you And he's like, specifically the women in baseball and the Latinas. He said, you know, we see you guys and we see the struggle and we're really proud of you. So anything that we can do to continue to help and elevate you guys, we will do it. And, um, and I can say that that is definitely an advantage of being a Latina uh, in the industry. You can make me cry. I love it. I love it. No, I mean, I, I'm so proud of you guys, right? And, the, and I'm so proud of our company in that regard. I mean, I think we've talked about this, and for the listeners, Jennifer and Julie and I are regularly on Zoom presentations. Jennifer's out in New York, New Jersey. Uh, Julie is in Southern California. Uh, I'm in Chicago. COVID's kind of dispersed us, but yet we're, we're together on a daily basis. And you guys know, you see the presentation. We have pictures of Javi Baez and Albert Pujols wearing Levita gear. And it's I, that to me is the ultimate of, of it. I think you don't need to know much about sports to know that 
these guys get paid, you know, millions and millions of dollars to endorse products, right? And wear and wear gear. And we don't pay those guys anything. And they not only wear La Vida baseball hats or shirts and BP, they post it on social. And, and to me, whenever I see that, it is like, that's a reflection of you guys, right? That's a reflection of your ability to your point, this connectivity of creating a platform to have, um, as you guys eloquently talked about at the beginning, the stories that aren't being told anywhere else, right? To have that platform. Like, those are my proud moments. It's not about the ego of the guy wearing the shirt. It's that those guys usually don't put anything on unless they're getting paid, right? And and to, to voluntarily do that, it's it's kind of like a we're with you sign. And I mean, that is just, I mean, the, the essence of, of building a content community. And so I want to pivot there for a second. People, again, see your faces, right? They see they see you on camera. They see you creating content. What they don't see is like all the time and sweat and energy you're putting to create the content behind the scenes. And so each of you share a little bit about Jennifer. I know you are our queen of Instagram for La Vida Baseball. Just talk about the pull the curtain back on the amount of content and the types of content and, and where the content is living for La Vida Baseball to give an audience a, a deeper understanding. Um, yeah, so you can find our content, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of us, all of the social media platforms that, that exist, except for um, MySpace, <laughs> which is outdated <laughs> now. Um, but if we could be on there, I think we would be, right? Um, I mean, we're on TikTok and all of that. And you can, all the different types of content that, that we are creating, it's not only interviews with the players, but we're also in the middle of creating some really cool TikToks um instagram reels educational stuff but at the same time keeping it within the la vida baseball lens right that Mm -hmm. latino culture and the behind the scenes what players are doing what players are doing the off season i mean we we had an extended off season last year (laughs) but it was actually really really a great time to explore the different types of content that we could create and having players like Nelson Cruz take us behind the scenes to his workouts and and, and what he was doing. And a lot of players ended up doing the same. And so being able to see those behind the scenes stuff was really um, an amazing way to, to get that inside glimpse at the players. And we would not have had that had not COVID happened. Do you, do you guys think, um, or or, or any insights that you're seeing? I know we have, uh, a new social media manager, Alfonso Garcia, who came from the San Francisco Giants, and he's just started digging on all the data and what's driving our content. But as it relates to this audience listening, um, in particular through the Latinx lens of content, what differences do you see in the sports content that we're producing, like types of things that perform on certain platforms that that may be specific to the Latinx community that are different from just um, maybe a white audience? Um, that's, um, that's an interesting question. Cause I think that good content works for whatever fan base, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if it's good, it's good. Um, when you're trying to gear it towards the, towards the Latino fan base, I think, uh, when you incorporate the culture, music, 
um, some memes. Like we we just had a, a video meme mm-hmm. that Alfonso created with one of um, our being Guillens. And it was Ozzy Guillen basically kind of trying to hum a song and trying to figure out who the name of the artist was <laughs> uh, to his kids. And I showed it to my mom and my mom busted out laughing <laughs> because she had just done the, like she literally came in my room and she was like, who's the guy that does the da 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 And I'm like, oh my God, this is the video. <laughs> and I showed it to her and she was cracking up. She's like, yep, that's us. So anytime that we can relate to, to things that's always a good way to do that but and, I, and i'll say this the only way you can create that type of content is to have people from those backgrounds mm-hmm. who know it and understand it right because otherwise you're just kind of trying to guess right. uh, what would these people like you know you have to have people who really have lived it um to get it uh, that's a good point i i think um I always find it interesting too, like looking at the engagement in the comments, right? Like the Spanglish that's in there sometimes, and yeah. sometimes it's in English, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's Spanish. It's it's so so rich and and, and so nuanced, right? I, I also think the other thing that that I have found fascinating is particularly like we all know and we talk about it, especially even on this podcast. It's like kind of like follow the bouncing algorithm. Like, hey, Instagram is into Instagram reels and then all of a sudden it changes and there's something new. It was stories and now, you know, it, it, it's all over the place. But I, I think the thing that's super cool that you guys have done is is really um, create content that gets shared by players. Um and, and I'd love to get any insights that you have. Jennifer, I know from Instagram and Facebook, you've been heavily involved in that and just anecdotes about as you're building a community and, and lessons that people that are out there building their own community, I mean, at the end of the day, those are super influencers, right? Some of the MLB stars that are sharing some of our content. And what does it take to get to that level where, where they're starting to share um, content on their own without even being prompted? Well, I think when especially when it's like a a couple of the young guys when you when when they see themselves being highlighted i mean any any player who sees himself uh at a young age being highlighted by different platforms they love that stuff and and Mm -hmm. they will reshare repost and and send to all of their friends and and family i think sometimes when when you see uh, what well, when I see the the insight on some of those posts, and I, I go immediately to the shares, and the shares are usually high, but it's usually because they're sharing with friends and family, and those friends and family are continuing to forward to other friends and family. Um, it's kind of like a WhatsApp, uh, a family chat, and I think that not only like are the young players, you know, resharing, but when you have some of the the older guys, the veterans, those really star. Um, mm-hmm. high name, you know, names uh, in the game, Not like they're not so much about the fame side mm-hmm. of it. It's just that with La Vida Baseball, it, it, they're part of the community and they understand that. They understand that there's not really that many platforms out there that represent them other than Las Mayores. Um, and MLB has like the different countries that they have MLB accounts for like MLB Venezuela, MLB Cuba, but that's all within the MLB entity, right? So mm-hmm. outside of that, there's not really much of a Latino uh, platform for them. And and so they know that when we're sharing stuff about them, um, it's and it's not just the, the hits 
and the home runs and the strikeouts, it's, you know what, Aida Dianza just became a U.S. citizen. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody just had a baby. You know, they, these guys just got engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also lifestyle. And and they, they like to see this stuff just like we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, we watch, if you're a casual or even a, a diehard baseball fan, you tune into MLB Network, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And on MLB Network, you see everything from highlights and you see lifestyle stuff and, and you see stories on guys and their journeys and you hear about historical players who were famous back in the day. But for the Latin audience, that doesn't really exist. Original programming that is just for them. A lot of times we see articles in English get repurposed and mm-hmm. translated into Spanish for an audience mm-hmm. about a player that they may not care anything about, mm-hmm. <laughs> who may not mm-hmm. have any sort of bearing on, you know, relevance as far as they're concerned, especially when we're talking about a younger, you know, youth audience. So to have a platform that not only tells the stories, gives these guys their own voice so they can tell their stories in their own voice and to have their voice heard and to have content created just for them i think is so special well you guys talked about it and i'm going to go there we uh, really cool announcement in february that that is out there and that is um the year of 21 and i'd love for you guys to explain to your point kind of one of the more transcendent uh athletes of all time and 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 what we and and you are doing to carry the torch for roberto clemente's name um yeah so at la vida baseball we are highlighting uh the one and only the great one roberto clemente but in doing it in such a way that it's not just the history um behind who he who he was but it's who he continues to be his legacy and how it continues to connect with today's um players and today's audience there's not one person in puerto rico whether they are young or old that doesn't know who roberto clemente is and i think the same goes for all baseball fans um whether they get introduced to it uh via roberto clemente day or in another fashion that uh, um, that legacy continues to live on today, and so we're we're taking advantage of of how his legacy has continued to live on, um, and really highlighting his connection to today's stars. Yeah, I think um, it's it's called the year of twenty one, kind of a, a wink to the year, and also the fact that Roberto Clemente wore number twenty one. Um, there's been quite a few people who would love to see that number retired. For he's actually the namesake of MLB's most prestigious award outside of the MVP, which is the Humanitarian Award, kind of like the Walter Payton Award in the NFL. Uh, and as as Jennifer alluded to, Levita is doing a season long celebration. There's going to be short films. There's uh, social media content. There's going to be podcasts, events, really cool slate of stuff coming. And then there's going to be some announcements coming out soon on that. But what's fascinating to me is I'm 47 years old. I never got to see him play. He, he uh, Next year will be the 50th anniversary of his death where he died tragically on a, in a plane crash um, on, a, on a relief effort to Nicaragua where he basically said, you know, they, they couldn't get aid into the country. And he said, put me on the plane. I'll take the I'll take it there myself. And, you know, in light of everything that's happened, I think we as a team felt that it was the right time to kind of tell a story of just 
being a good human. I felt we all, based on the, the toxicity in our country, felt, you know what, we could all use some positive storytelling, and, and, and that's what we're doing here with, uh, with, with Year 21. And Jennifer and Julie are carrying the, the torch on getting that story out there. Um, I, I find it interesting, though, I, I kind of, maybe it's a bad analogy, but I, I use almost like the brand Jordan. It's It's amazing how many... I, I guess I'm surprised um, we're out there pitching sponsorships and the like, and there are many people that were pitching under the age of 40 who don't know who Roberto Clemente is or was, right, because they're, they're not in the baseball scene or whatnot. I'm actually really impressed with, regardless of what ethnicity you are, young major league players and their reverence for Roberto Clemente. What, what do you see as it relates to – um, his legacy and how well known or not it is within baseball circles among young people today. Well, I think as far as baseball circles, I mean, if you are a baseball fan, I would hope you know who Roberto Clemente is. I know I had, I knew who he was before I knew what baseball was because mm-hmm. my mom was such a big fan. My mom grew up watching him and, and her whole family is, is are huge baseball fans. Um, and so they would all talk about him. And so I, and also as a proud Puerto Rican, I mean, you don't even have to be a baseball fan in Puerto Rico. Chances are you are, but you don't even have to be to know who he was. Um, but I think within baseball circles, he is of course, well known. I know when I met my husband, I, came to visit his house for the first time and he had a book about Roberto Clemente on the shelf. And I thought, okay, he's a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I did. did. That is awesome. has this great quote john waters said you can always you know tell someone's worth by how many books they have in their own personal home library and Mm. how many books they own and i'll take that a step further if they own a roberto clemente book chances are they're a good person (laughs) and so um but i but i do think there is you know we have a very sort of small sphere of relevance as we come up and you know people are forgotten and i think to show the impact that this man has within present day players i mean you look at javi baez who wore his suit to Mm -hmm. the 2018 home run derby to call the game on espn and you know because he was so touched by it and being a fellow countryman you have so many artists and entertainers and professional sports athletes who are so inspired by his story still today who are able to to then show that and do something about it i mean garth brooks starting a charity because he was so inspired by him and so i think in that respect we keep his legend alive and we keep him relevant Mm -hmm. for today because people are quick to forget and and you're right i think if you do ask the average 12 to 21 year old baseball fan who roberto clemente was uh, chances are they wouldn't know Mm -hmm. Mm Well, Jennifer, Mercedes, Julie, Alexandria, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing. Really important work that, while fun uh, and including baseball, is is much bigger than that. And you guys rock. It's a pleasure to call you colleagues. And, and I thank you for taking the time today to educate and share part of your journeys with our audience. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Jack. Thank you, Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. 
We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.